Hello, and welcome back to another edition of EdChoice Chats. This is Mike McShane, Director of National Research at EdChoice. And this is part of my series, What's Up with Mike McShane, where I talk to interesting people in the education space to learn what's up about a particular topic, a place, a school, a bit of research. And I am joined by two wonderful people today, friends of the program, friends of the organization, Ron Matus and Lauren May. Ron is the Director of Research and Special Projects for Step Up for Students down in Florida. And Lauren is the Director of Advocacy for Step Up for Students. And they have a new paper out called Why Catholic Schools in Florida Are Growing, Five Things You Need to Know. So they're going to help me today answer the question, what's up with Catholic schools in Florida? So, you know, it's one of those things. You have a paper whose subtitle is Five Things You Need to Know. And I think, was it uh, Anton Chekhov, the writer, who says, you know, if you hang a gun on the wall in the beginning of your story, if it hasn't fired by the second act, you failed. So you can't like leave something hanging out there. So when you say there's five things that people need to know, it's hanging out there. So I'm curious, what are the five things that people need to know about Catholic schools in Florida? So Mike, the five things you need to know about Catholic schools in Florida are that we're seeing amazing growth and compared to other states across the nation, especially other big states. So the 10 biggest states with Catholic school enrollment, Florida is actually the only one of those 10 that's seen growth in their enrollment numbers over the past 10 years. So that's pretty significant. We're also seeing a lot of diversity, and that's personally my favorite part of the paper because it really shows in our Catholic schools, actually, one of the most amazing pieces of the paper to me is that our Catholic schools in Florida are now a tick more diverse than our public schools. And we also are serving many, many more students with special needs. And so I think that's a really innovative thing we're seeing here in Florida. The third thing you need to know is that we have choice. So we have wonderful choice programs here in Florida, and they're continuing to grow. I'm sure we'll talk today about how we really have exploded with the amount of choice here in Florida as of July 1. The fourth thing you need to know is that there's competition. In Florida, we have one of the most robust school choice systems in the nation. We have charter schools. We have amazing magnet schools. We have amazing IB programs. And we have Catholic schools. And then we have over 2,000 private schools across the state for families to choose from. So with all of that choice becomes competition. And so that's an important piece to know. And the fifth thing you need to know is that we're seeing a lot of innovation in our Catholic schools. We're seeing Catholic schools open that are doing dual language. We're seeing Catholic schools open that are focusing on classical education. We're seeing Catholic schools open that are focusing on STREAM, which stands for science, technology, religion, engineering, arts, and math. So just lots of really great things happening in Florida. So those are the five things you need to know. And I hope that you will read the paper and learn more about them. Fantastic. Look, growth, diversity, choice, competition, and innovation. Like five for five. Those are five wonderful things. That's great. I love to see it. Great to have there. And a stream, I got to tell you, that is a new one for me. I've always thought it was like, you know, there was STEM and then there was STEAM. And I was mm -hmm. thinking, it's tough. STEAM basically encompasses all of human knowledge, right? Like if you go between science, technology, the arts, engineering, mathematics, like there's not a whole lot left over. But someone found something left over, religion. And so now it's stream. Okay, that's yeah. wonderful. Well, that's great to hear. And I think y'all probably know, but I'm a Catholic school homer. 
I was educated by Catholic schools. I taught in a Catholic school, did my teacher preparation through Notre Dame's ACE program, the Alliance for Catholic Education, and then have been involved with them in any way they'd have me ever since. So this is all wonderful. This is great news. I'm just laying my bias out there ahead of time. But you know, you cited some things in the paper as well, like the really promising research that's been done on Catholic schools, particularly looking at Catholic schools that are participants in the voucher program or the tax credit scholarship program in Florida, David Figlio's work that shows that students that are attending those schools are, are doing fantastic. So I think by and large, like this is just like a wonderful, positive story. So maybe we'll kind of break some of these things down. When we talk about the growth, maybe to give people sort of a picture, like how many kids are in Catholic schools in Florida? How has that changed over time? So for Catholic schools in Florida, we have been in the 80,000 range for a long time. And so it ranges between, you know, 75,000 to 80 to 85. So last year was a big year because we hit that big 85,000 number. I think we hit 88,000 actually here in Florida, which was a really big number. And I'm excited to share that I'm just getting the numbers for this school year and every single diocese in our state is seeing another enrollment increase. So we're just continuing to see parents making the choice to put their children in our Catholic schools in our state. And so it's very exciting. Yeah, the percentage is up. If I could just add this real quick, it's up about 4% over the past 10 years, which sounds modest. It is modest, but relative to what we're seeing with Catholic school enrollment trends in the rest of the country, it's dramatically encouraging, I think. You know, I mean, we're still seeing the same trend lines for Catholic school enrollment around the country over the past decade that we've seen for many decades now. You know, New York is down another 30% over the past 10 years, New Jersey, 33%, Pennsylvania, 25%. So to actually have growth is pretty fantastic. And I think, you know, Lauren referenced the latest numbers. Our paper came out right before the latest numbers hit. And Lauren's been gathering those up now. We may have another 4% growth in one year this year. So, you know, those trend lines continue to go up. And I imagine with the expansion of choice, the dramatic expansion of choice, that will continue to be the case. Yeah, so that's worth diving into. So I would imagine a fair number of people who are listening to this podcast, given the host and host organization, would have a relatively good understanding. But for the, the person that maybe is listening to this podcast because they like Catholic schools or whatever, can you just sort of sketch out what school choice looks like in Florida, particularly kind of on the private school side, and maybe around those kind of numbers as well, like how many students are participating in these various programs? What are the sort of benefits that are available to students? Like what do those programs look like in Florida? So we have multiple programs and we've had multiple programs for private school choice going back 25 years. You know, I guess there's two main buckets. We've had what until recently were the income-based scholarships. We had a couple of those. I don't know how much in the weeds you want to go. And then we had a couple for students with special needs. And between those programs, last year statewide, we served 250,000 students. So about 180,000 were using the income-based scholarships. About 70,000 were using the scholarships for students with special needs. This year, we expect to serve north of 350,000 students. So a big one-year leap. We've already processed and approved. I think Lauren knows the latest numbers, but I think somewhere about 410,000 applications have already been approved. Now, not every student will use that scholarship, but a good number will. So we're expecting to go from 250,000 
to 350,000. HB1, of course, changed everything because now there is no more income threshold to be eligible for school choice scholarships. Even before HB1, though, I think this is important to point out, probably 70% of the families in Florida were eligible for the income-based scholarships alone. So HB1 going to universal eligibility, that is a big leap, but it wasn't everything. I mean, we were going from 70% to 100%, but you know, it's been a continual expansion over 25 years. It's like the eligibility is constantly expanded. The amount of the scholarship has constantly expanded, which I think is very important and kind of overlooked sometimes. And then the total pot of money available for the scholarships, that has grown over time too. And so all that adds up to just, you know, more and more families being able to choose exactly what they want for their kids. And guess what? Many of them do like Catholic schools, and that's why our Catholic schools are flourishing. You know, that's a really interesting point that you brought up there, because I think obviously there's been a lot of growth in school choice and big program passages around the country just in the last you know, year and even, you know, maybe stretch it out two or three years where we've seen even more. And I think some people who haven't been paying super close attention would be like, oh my God, this is so new, or this is like untested, or we've never tried it. And it's like, actually, Florida's been doing this for a really long time. And I remember actually being someone, I was on a panel with someone who was sort of an academic who studied these things and was talking about, you know, in my ideal world, you know, you'd, you'd try something and you'd test it, and then you'd make it a little bit bigger, and then you'd make it a little bit bigger, and then you make it a little bit bigger. I'm kind of like, isn't that kind of what happened? <laughs> I was like, okay, maybe not in like a perfect way that like a perfect regimented way that if you were like controlling things in the lab, you could. But really, like that's kind of the Florida story, right? That as you mentioned, every year, a few more kids have participated, a few more schools have participated, a little bit more money was made available, the eligibility changed. But this is something that's been sort of slowly but surely happening. So by the time now we're seeing universal eligibility, we're seeing, you know, ESAs with multiple uses and all of that stuff, that's built on a very very long run, a deeply poured foundation, right? <laughs> I agree with you completely. I mean, it's been an organic process of growth for 25 years. I mean, it didn't all happen at once. It happened, I wouldn't say slowly either. I mean, historically, it's been the blink of an eye to go from, you know, assigned schools, the old system, to now where everybody's eligible for a choice scholarship. I mean, that happened over the course of a generation. So historically, I still think it was pretty quick. But yeah, it was an organic, natural process, a constant, steady expansion. And the cool thing about it, I think, is that, you know, all along the way, we gathered evidence about what was working and what wasn't. And I think, you know, we saw a lot of things work. And, you know, there have been all these dire predictions every time a new choice program was passed or expanded that the sky would fall, you know, Jason Bedrick and uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Joyce did that wonderful yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The best paper ever. You know, I read that and I was like, you know, that's been my experience in Florida for the past 20 years, paying attention to what's happening on the landscape. None of that happened. None of that happened. Instead, more families got to choose options that they wanted. Outcomes got better. Parental satisfaction got better. More options grew on the landscape, more and better options all the time. I mean, the parade of horrible did not happen. So that's been one good thing about seeing this unfold slowly you got to gather in the evidence as it was happening. And, you know, it was all good. It was evidence that allowed folks to continue expanding because they could say, well, why would we stop? It seems to be working. So I wanted to talk about innovation, something that you all highlight in the paper. Because again, I put myself out there as a Catholic school homer who's been involved in this for 
you know, longer than I would like to admit. I would like to pretend it's been a shorter period of time since I was a Catholic school teacher, but with each year, it's just that much longer. But, you know, one of the things that actually would kind of frustrate me about Catholic schools and even the institutions that I was participating in was a kind of lack of innovation. You know, this long-term trend, decline in enrollment, closing schools, wasn't something that happened that surprised people, right? This was like a train that was coming down the tracks that everyone was seeing and that the human capital model of Catholic schools and the way they were built at their zenith wasn't sustainable. Even some of the tuition models and all those things just like weren't sustainable in the communities where Catholic schools existed and where communities changed or economics changed or demographics changed or any of those. It's like, well, you know, some things might have to change to move those. And there was not nearly enough change happening. And I think lots of schools probably closed that didn't ultimately need to close. That if someone would have gone in there and would have actually recognized, oh, like the demands from folks have changed, we can actually make some adjustments, but instead said, we're going to do things the way we've always done them. And they did that right into the ground. <laughs> I'm encouraged to hear some examples that you had in there of Catholic schools that are actually innovating, that are trying new and different things. Do you have a couple examples of those that you could share? Yeah, I would love to. My favorite part of the work that I do is getting to visit our schools and see all of the amazing things that are happening and then talk to the families about how impactful the education is. So one of my favorite schools and favorite stories from our paper is about Christ the King Catholic School, which is in Jacksonville, Florida. And they were really struggling about 10 years ago, and they actually had two teachers per grade level, and they had to go down to one, and it was a really hard time for the school. Exactly what you were talking about, Mike, the demographics and the neighborhood changed, and it just was a challenging time. So the principal there said, this is not going to work. We've got to fix this. We have a beautiful school. We have a beautiful location. We have this great big building. We've got to do something to attract families. And so that's when she got the idea to work on the STREAM, the Science, Technology, Engineering, Religion, Arts, and Math program. And it is one of the most amazing schools that I've ever been to. The children do different activities, different STEM activities in each grade level, like one grade level grows blueberries. And then they use the blueberries to eat in the cafeteria. They also use the blueberries to feed the chickens. And another grade level takes care of the chickens and the chickens lay eggs. The eggs go to the homeless shelter. They just do all of these really cool things that are drawing parents in. And so what I'm seeing across the state is schools that are willing to listen to parents who say, hey, I've got this kid who might not be typically developing. They have ADHD and they need some accommodations. Can you work with us? The schools that say yes, parents are flooding towards them. And thankfully in Florida, what we're seeing is a lot of our principals are saying yes to the parents. And they're saying, let's try it. Let's see. And we're seeing when they're doing that and when they have that great partnership parent to school, it's just amazing. The enrollment is increasing. And even with all the choice in Florida, even with access to an educational savings account, families are choosing our Catholic schools because they're like, that's what I want. I want to partner in my child's education. I want to work with this school. This school is doing amazing things for families and for kids. And I want my kid to be impacted. I'm really glad that you brought up ESAs, because I'm curious sort of about this, about how Catholic schools exist within an ESA program. Does tuition generally take up all of a family's ESA dollars? Because, I mean, Catholic schools have a reputation for being kind of lean and mean and, and lower costs and finding other ways to subsidize outside of that fundraising and, and you know 
parish contributions and sort of all that sort of stuff. But I'm curious, like, does basically all of the ESA dollars go to that one entity? Do families have some money left over to maybe supplement with some tutoring or others? How are y'all seeing that actually play out on the ground? So it really just happened this year. Like, so the law went into effect on July 1. So we haven't really gotten to see it go into effect just yet. But what I know is Catholic school tuition in Florida can range from like $6,000 per kid up to 30000 if it's a, a high school in Miami. They're much more expensive down there. So it really depends. But the scholarships are worth about $8,000 per kid for the universal one where everybody's eligible. And then for the one for kids with special needs, they're worth about 10000 And so I have a lot of friends with kids on the scholarship who go to a Catholic school. And what they do is they might pay the $8,000 tuition using their scholarship, their ESA, and then they'll have $2,000 left over to pay for tutoring and therapy. And so the greatest thing that I've seen with our Catholic schools across the state is that they're really working with their families. And they're saying, if a family were to go to their principal and say, listen, I've got this $10,000. I need to use it to pay tuition, but I also, my kid has to get tutoring after school in order to be able to be successful. Can you work with me? The Catholic schools are saying, yes, we will. We can find a way to make the tuition amount work so that your child can get the other services that they need with their scholarship dollars. And so that's been a really great blessing for families across the state. So I would love to know, just sort of as you all are at the sort of heart of this big expansion that's happening right now. What's it been like? Like, what did the last two months have been like? Has it been like drinking from a fire hose with so many families wanting to apply and probably I have to imagine, you know, some order of magnitude larger wanting to just know what's going on? Like maybe setting aside this paper, though, it obviously intersects in some ways. I'm just sort of curious, what have the last 60 days been like? They've been very busy and very fun. I get to talk to parents every single day. They will call and ask a question. I talk to schools. A lot of our schools, especially the Catholic schools, and even some of our dioceses did meetings for their parents where they would have someone from Step Up come in and explain how to apply and what to do. And then we even did some Zoom meetings like on diocesan Facebook pages so families could just log in and watch. We created a lot of videos. So what we've tried to do is use technology to our advantage to reach as many people as possible. But what we've seen in Florida especially is that families really want that personal touch. They like to know. Did I do everything correctly? Do I understand what I'm supposed to do? Is my child going to get the scholarship? And so we are seeing thousands and thousands of calls come into our call center. So that's been the most interesting part to me is the need for parents to get information. Thankfully, here at Step Up, we've been able to staff a really great call center. So when families call in, they can get those answers. But that's been very impactful is having a place, a resource for families to go when they have questions. And when you're hearing from families, I would be curious kind of what they're looking for, you know, because I know there was research on Catholic schools in the past that, you know, when you ask parents, like, why do you choose Catholic schools? Like school discipline was always one that they're really seen as places where students are safe and where classrooms are orderly and where learning can happen. You know, they have a reputation for having high academic standards, college preparation, all of those things. So even taking narrowly about Catholic schools and the folks that you talk to, but even more broadly in sort of the work that Step Up does, when you're hearing from parents and they're calling up or folks are saying, hey, you know, we want to participate in this program. I'm looking for a school that blank, you know, like that's doing something. Is it I'm looking for a school that's safe? I'm looking for a school with, you know, better 
outcomes? What are people saying as they're going through this process? Well, I mean, I've heard the same basic things the entire time I've been at Step Up. And, and even before I joined Step Up, when I was a reporter and I was talking to scholarship parents, I mean, it seems to be core academics, safety, you hear that a lot, and then character education. I mean, those things have always predominated. And I don't think that's changed much. I mean, you know, COVID added some things, the culture war stuff recently added some things. But I don't think things have deviated too much from those three basics, core academics, safety, and character education. And, you know, I think that's what parents are mostly looking for. And, you know, there's a lot of private schools out there and other schools that give them that. You know, I think everybody's had to up their game and do better on all of those things because of choice. But certainly, I think that's why a lot of parents are gravitating towards choice options. Yeah, and I would just add that the number one thing I hear when parents call me and say, I, I need a new educational setting for my child is I want them to succeed. I want them to get an education where they can contribute to society when they finish. And so that seems to be the overall message that I'm hearing. A lot of the families that are wanting a Catholic school are choosing it because it aligns with their values and it is a safe environment. So I hear that as well. But overall, it's I want my child to succeed. I want them to be a contributing member of society. And I think this scholarship will give me more choices to find the place that will best meet their needs. So I want to ask a last question, but sort of in two ways, which is sort of looking towards the future. So the first way is sort of more narrowly looking at Catholic schools in Florida. What do you think the next five to 10 years has in store for Catholic schools? And then the second half of the question will just be schools, education in Florida in general. What do you think the next five to 10 years hold? So we'll maybe take the first bit of it, which is just looking specifically at Catholic schools in Florida. What do you think the next five to 10 years looks like? I'm looking for the same thing or looking to see how the same things unfold with Catholic schools and other traditional schools, whether they be public or private. You know, I think some people maybe were pleasantly surprised by how district schools responded to the competition from charter schools and vouchers. So in the first wave of choice, you know, that came, that happened, charter schools blew up everywhere. We've got 700 something of them. Private schools expanded massively, especially over the past 10 years. And districts did respond. Now, some responded better than others. But the largest engines of choice creation in Florida at the moment are districts. They're the ones who went and created a ton of magnet schools, career academies. They added IB programs, Cambridge programs. And many of them are very high quality. And many of them parents really like. So they did respond, and I think effectively in many cases, to the changing landscape. What will they do now that we're moving away from school choice and we're going to education choice. Now that every parent can get an ESA, now that a parent can like mix things up a la carte and do you know really course choice instead of school choice, how will everybody respond to that? How will the districts respond to that? And how will the private schools, you know, who many of them are more or less kind of traditional also, like public schools, how will they respond? You know, will Catholic schools and other private schools adapt to this environment where parents can like pick things a la carte, where parents can maybe want a hybrid school? 
where parents maybe want to homeschool and just pick and choose a couple classes from this school here and that school there and that school over there. I don't know what the answer is, but I'm really curious to see how everybody responds to this movement away from school choice and to education choice. Yeah, I agree. I think we're going to see our, at least in Florida, based on the history of our Catholic schools and, and how much innovation we've been seeing specifically over these past 10 years, I think they will rise to the occasion and continue to innovate and find new and better ways to serve families because ultimately a Catholic education is the number one way to evangelize the church. And I think that our church leaders across the state and really across the nation are saying, this is our opportunity. We've got to get more kids in here. So if it might be that we're going to let some homeschool kids come in and participate in a PE class, that might be some innovation that we're not currently seeing, but we will see now that we have educational savings accounts. So I'm excited to watch. I think we'll be able to know a lot more in the next five years or so. So maybe we'll have a second paper in five years with an update on what we're seeing here in the state. And then when you look at schools, sort of learn when you look at the schools in general, Ron, you know, the classic journalistic style there, he put a lot into a small number of answered multiple questions there. But I'm curious, Lauren, your thoughts about sort of schools writ large in Florida, growth of this types, models, innovation, competition, what do you see happening there? Well, I think Ron said it really well. What we've seen over the past 20 years is our public schools have responded and they've come in. And what I've seen personally, I have a lot of friends up here in Jacksonville that have their children at some really neat and innovative charter schools. And so we're seeing lots of new types of education coming in. And so I think we're going to continue to see that. I am confident in our entire system that our schools are going to respond and they're going to say, wow, if the Catholic school can do that, then why can't we? Why don't we open a stream, a STEM school, STEAM school, whatever it might be, a classical school? So I'm excited to see what types of new types of schools we have come in. And I also think we're going to see a lot more virtual programs and virtual type of schools coming in to serve students maybe on a part-time or even full-time basis. So excited to see what grows in that aspect as well. Absolutely. So the paper is Why Catholic Schools in Florida Are Growing, Five Things You Need to Know, published by Step Up for Students. Ron, Lauren, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Thank you, Mike. This was awesome. Thanks so much. Well, that was a wonderful conversation. I hope all of you enjoyed that as much as I did. It's fascinating to see any place in the country where Catholic schools are seeing 4% growth, as you see in their paper, they do this in graphs, but if you, if you have any, even a passing understanding of the history of Catholic schools in America, growth has not been a term used with Catholic schools for a very long time. So seeing them, and especially in the state as large as Florida, I think it's a really interesting trend that, you know, I think as Ron brought up where other states are seeing over the same time period, like 30% declines, seeing 4% growth is quite impressive and potentially seeing that into the future. So yeah, check out that paper. I thought it was really interesting. Great stuff in there. And as always, I will put in the plug for EdChoices stuff. Head over to www.edchoice.org for all of our great content. Follow us on social media. Subscribe to this podcast, yada, yada, yada. All of those great things. Thank you so much to our wonderful podcast editors, Jacob and Eve, who put this together and make it sound wonderful. It wouldn't sound nearly as good without them. So thank you very much. And thank you to all of you for listening to the podcast. This whole series of Ed Choice Chats, whether you're listening to me interview interesting people, our legal team talking, our state teams talking about what's going on in states, our polling podcast, any of that stuff, we're always great to have you. 
And I particularly enjoy when you tune into these What's Up episodes. So thanks for spending this time with me and us. And I look forward to chatting with all of you again on another edition of Ed Choice Chats.